Hey there, friends. Welcome back to the Life, Leadership, and Laughs podcast. You're listening to last week's episode. To get this week's episode, you can take a look at my Patreon page, where patrons have day one access to new content. By pledging a dollar or more a month, you can get access to new episodes before everyone else, get merchandise for the show, and more. If you don't become a patron, there are still ways that you can support the show. Take a screenshot of you listening to the episode and post that on social media. And tag me in the shot on Twitter at MCLeadershipGuy or on Instagram at MC underscore Leadership Guy. If you haven't already, make sure to give the show a five-star rating and write a review so I can know what you think of the show. To become a patron of the show, make sure to visit the Patreon at www.patreon.com slash LLLpodcast. That's three L's podcast. My name is Jake McLean, and you're listening to the Life, Leadership, and Laughs podcast. Well, welcome back, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Life, Leadership, and Laughs podcast. I'm Jake McLean, your host. Uh, with me on the show today, I have Dr. Shindell. Um, Dr. Shindell is the president and CEO of Intern Bridge. He spent, uh, I think I read, uh, two decades, right, in the uh, career services and hiring space. And so, uh, Dr. Shindell, I really appreciate you taking the time and being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, so uh, let's go ahead and just uh, kind of jump in. I know uh, we, we've we been talking a little uh, bit already, but if you could uh, start by telling me and the listeners uh, a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, well, again, thank you for having me on. I think this is such a great uh, venue that you have, and I'm looking forward to, uh, um, to hopefully fielding some great questions. My name is Dr. Robert Schindel. I am president and CEO of Intern Bridge. We are a research and consulting firm that focuses in on experiential learning. And we do it from a perspective of helping employers build better experiences for their interns. And, and there's, there's a, um, a byproduct of that. And one is that we also serve higher ed because when we are helping employers build better experiences for students, the students are having better experiences and that is transitioned back into their experience uh, in higher ed. Um, we do this through, through researching, uh, but then also providing tactical resources for employers to help them really deliver an experience of value that increases the, the ROI or return on investment that they are making into uh, their internship and other experiential learning activities like co-ops, externships, student teaching, um, practicums, you know, all of those words that fall under um, uh, that, that internship umbrella, if you will. Sure. Yeah, that's, uh, that sounds great. And I, uh, I spent some time, uh, before I, uh, before I made the random ask on LinkedIn to have you on the show, I had done some digging into your, uh, LinkedIn profile. And, uh, before Intern Bridge, uh, you've, uh, you've been all over, all over career services and, and hiring spaces. And so I'm really excited for our conversation as we, as we continue. Yeah. I, you know, got into higher ed, um, kind of on a, on a fluke. Um, I was, uh, it graduated from the University of Toledo and where I was, 
involved in student leadership activities, you know, president of the Interfraternity Council and in student government and other types of, of uh, leader, student leadership positions at, at Toledo. And uh, I was at a football game and I randomly kind of ran into the dean of the College of Engineering who I, who I knew as an undergraduate. Um, I served on a, a couple of uh, committees with him. And he just said, what are you doing now? And I, I said, you know, I'm, I, was, I was working, you know, I had a job, kind of that first job out of college. And he said, no, 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 you need to come work for me. We are starting a cooperative education program and I need somebody to come run it. And my first response was, what do I know about cooperative education, especially in the College of Engineering? And he said, you know, I, I will teach you all of that, but I need somebody who can go out and recruit companies to come and hire and buy into these, this program and hire our students. And that was in 1996. And since then, moved, you know, kind of so I cut my teeth in cooperative education and moved into uh, career center roles at three different institutions where I was brought in to, to build programs really from scratch or take uh, multiple programs like career and testing or career and counseling and meld them together to really develop a, a uh, entity on the campus to better serve students. Um, and it's been, it's been great. I mean, uh, career services is one of the most rewarding professions that one can engage in, uh, again, purely my opinion, but the, the impact that we have on students making that transition from college to the world of work is, is it's just immeasurable. And it's, it's so fulfilling. Um, you know, I, I live in Austin, Texas now, and I bumped into, I was at Whole Foods and I was just standing in line waiting to check out. And uh, this guy taps me on the shoulder and I turn around and he says, are you Robert Schindel? And I said, yeah, I look a little bit different than I did, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And he said, you helped me get my first internship. And now I, I'm still working with that company. And I just wanted to, to say thank you. And I was like, I, I just got back in the car and I, I just started, you know, tearing up and, and just the, you know, just the impact of that one student was so powerful. And I thanked him so profusely for just letting me know, just mm -hmm. just sharing with me that experience. I've had other experiences where uh, I was doing a presentation at Ball State University last year uh, up in Muncie, Indiana, and a, and a student walked up, or a, a participant walked up to me, and she said, you know, I graduated from the University of Toledo two years ago, and, and from that co-op program that you started 20 years ago, and now I'm recruiting for co-ops. I mean, the site, the, you know, I, I kind of have that, uh, that Lion King moment. That's that, you know, the circle of life song. And, yeah. yep. and, and so here I started this program and now a student that I've never had any connection with is now a graduate and she is recruiting students into that program because of what we started, you know, in 1996. Um, that that's powerful and it's meaningful and it's just, um, it's just really I don't know if another word, so I'll just say it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it really is. Uh, and I remember uh, the small amount of time I spent on the career side of our career and leadership center. Um, you know, you mentioned the, like, what do I know about uh, leading this co-op program uh, when you first got started? Uh, my first uh, career development appointment was 
a freshman uh, biopsychology major who wanted to uh, look for internships or like experiential activities in her in her field. And it was literally my first career development appointment, like straight out of undergrad. Uh, and I was like, oh, no, uh, you know what? Let's let's figure this out together. Uh, well, and, you know, that's one of the great things about, I think, the individuals who are called into this profession uh, or that stumble into this profession is the one, you know, after you know 20 plus years and meeting hundreds, if not thousands of career center folk, there's one commonality that we all have, and that is that we figure stuff out. We just have that ingenuity. There's, it, it's ingrained in our DNA. Uh, a lot of times, and I'm probably showing my age right now, uh, I call it uh, MacGyverism. Uh, if you remember that show, MacGyver. Yep. I mean, yep. give, a, give a career center person a stick of gum, a, a toothpick, a paper clip, <laughs> and a roll of duct tape, and we will solve every problem known to man. Yeah. It's just, that's, that's just how we're wired. And I think that that's such a unique, um, it's such a unique trait. Uh, I wish I could, I, I wish I could, you know, uh, you know, identify that molecule in our DNA so I could replicate it. Uh, because I think there's so many other industries that could utilize that type of, uh, that type of focus and that type of skill. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, my, uh, I think the intuitive brain, I think, is so important uh, because you just uh, if you always try to go with, uh, you know, what, you know, or like playing by a certain rule book, you're going to miss something. And so uh, absolutely. That, yeah. Having that intuition. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so it sounds like uh, when you first started describing the experience uh, that led you uh, to this work, to this field, uh, you said uh, that you kind of stumbled upon it. Uh, it was kind of that that connection that had come back. So uh, had you seen yourself working in this space uh, prior to that conversation? Never. I, I just, I, it was never even on my radar screen. Uh, I, I was one of those students who did not utilize career services as an undergraduate, which I find kind of interesting now that I'm in it. Um, but we, I don't know why I didn't. Uh, I, I look back and I'm like, well, I knew it was there. I, I just, I don't know why I didn't utilize it. I mean, and, but then again, I was that student who was making connections on my own and I had, you know, I developed my own internship and had a couple of different experiences that I got on my own. I had, you know, I got my own jobs. I had a job, uh, nine months before I graduated. So that last nine months was, was kind of definitely interesting because I had that you know, I had already signed on the dotted line and I was, you know, uh, scheduled to work the Monday after graduation. Um, so those types of things, um, I guess I just never needed it because I was just doing it on my own. And maybe that's that intuitive um, kind of gene that I was talking about that makes me a good fit for this industry. Sure. Uh, but now I, I find uh, I find it just again, it's just so much fun to work with work with employers and helping them build better intake programs and be better receivers of the talent that higher ed is developing um, and helping, you know, students make the transition and also helping higher ed kind of work in that space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I have to ask uh, the follow-up to that, 
So if you didn't initially see uh, see yourself working in this space, uh, what was the what was the direction going to be, or what was it what was it supposed to be for you? Uh, well, actually, I my undergraduate is in education. Uh, I my my goal was to uh, was to teach high school government and uh, to be a basketball coach. Yeah, that's that was my that was my vision. Uh, and and then I again. Um, I'm, I'm sure that, that many listeners and maybe yourself are, are familiar with the, with the happenstance theory of career development. Um, and, and I, I didn't know anything about that when, when I was in it, but now in hindsight, looking back that I am the poster child for the happenstance theory. Uh, and I think that is, uh, when you are prepared and an opportunity comes in front of you, you take it. And you may not know where it leads, but it's a good opportunity for then. And then you make something happen from there. Um, and that's, you know, really just kind of how I, and I still operate. I mean, there's so many things that I, um, get into and, and again, just kind of fall into opportunities where somebody calls and says, Hey, I've got a problem. And, uh, I'll, I'll say, well, let's talk it through. And, and I'll say, well, I, here's a possible solution. You know, here's how I think I can help. And then all of a sudden, I'm then working in that direction, um, which is which is kind of fun because you know, no two days are the same. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's there's a, a lack of stability, so there's a downside. You know, I never know what's gonna, you know, when the phone's gonna ring or um, you know what that next thing is. Um, but it's, it's good. And, uh, you know, I enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. I, uh, I, when I first graduated from undergrad, uh, I was training to be a financial service representative. Uh, my undergrad was uh, communication studies. And so I had like no formal like business training. I certainly wasn't good at managing my own finances. And so I was like, Oh gosh, what am I going to do? Uh, and then, I mean, kind of similar story. Uh, someone gave me a call and was like, hey, this job opened up and you need to apply for it. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's how I kind of broke into the field. So, yeah, I really, really resonate with the story there. Um, so uh, shifting gears a little bit, um, you mentioned this a uh, little, uh, how you got involved uh, with uh, intern bridge, but could you talk to me a little bit about the transition from what you were doing before that phone call, uh, and kind of how, how it all came to be for you? Sure. I mean, I had, again, had been in career services, uh, for many years. Uh, I, I had been a speaker at different intern bridge events, uh, both live and, and webcasts. And, uh, um, at, at the time I was the Dean of enrollment at a, uh, at a school here in Austin and really, you know, again, I, I had no desire. I was completely happy with that opportunity that I was that I was working in. Um, but this just seemed too good to pass up. And um, it just it just happened. I, I wish I could. I, you know, I wish I had this great detailed story about this amazing decision making process that I went through. But it wasn't. It just felt it felt right. It felt like like something I wanted to do. Uh, even though I was dean of enrollment, I think I, I missed the, the career services aspect. I mean, enrollment and admissions and enrollment management is such an awesome field. 
But it's, I don't know, for me, it's the exit strategy for uh, from higher ed that is more exciting than the entrance strategy. Um, and I think that the career services definitely offers that. And in this role, not only do I get to work with higher ed and helping them um, as a, as a resource and as a, as an advocate, uh, to help them do what they do better and more efficiently and more effectively. Uh, but I also get to work with employers and that's the piece that, that I think has really, um, grown over the years. Um, you know, when I started doing our total internship management workshops, which is a one day SHRM and HRCI accredited uh, program for uh, companies to help them build better internship programs. You know, when I started, people would say, you know, I asked them, why are you doing this workshop? And they would say things like, well, we've got this summer internship program. We just want to make it better. Today, I'm hearing things like, you know, our company has indicated that internships are a critical strategic initiative within our talent acquisition strategy. That's a big shift. That's a huge shift in the focus of importance and to be there with them and to help them to achieve their strategic initiatives through the development of meaningful internship and experiential learning opportunities that train that are part of the talent acquisition strategy. Um, it's, it's amazing. I, I could never have imagined that, that it would have gone in that direction. Uh, but in hindsight, there was this really natural progression. And I think that more and more companies and organizations, be it for-profit, non-profit, large, small, you name it, identify the internship as not just something that they do, but something that is part of the talent acquisition strategy and building a viable talent pipeline into their organization because they know that when they hire someone who is interned with them, they are hiring somebody into a full-time role that is ready to go on day one. They are um, they are connected, they're engaged, they are, um, they're ready to work. And that, and then that to me is just, uh, the amazing shift that's happened, uh, over the last couple of years. Yeah. I, I've seen my colleagues in our career center, uh, kind of going through, um, the relationship building for employers and, uh, like the experiential education piece. And that's what I'm trying to do, uh, as well, kind of on the leadership side of that. Uh, so rather than just trying to talk theory and what it might look like, uh, but giving, giving people the experience of the, of what these skills actually look like when you're practicing them and how to, uh, to develop them, yeah. all of those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, so you, uh, you touched on this a little bit, uh, but, uh, from your uh, perspective, uh, whether in your time with InternBridge or before, uh, how have you seen kind of the whole the whole package, right? The internships, career services, hiring practices. How have you seen those change as you've gone through the work? Well, I think that um, one of the major changes is the focus, it's on both sides of the spectrum. So on one side, I described that employers are refocusing what an internship is within their organization and better aligning it with their talent acquisition strategies. Um, that's a seismic shift, as I mentioned. Uh, and, and, but that's not the only shift that I'm seeing. The other shift that I'm seeing is the, the importance and the focus that colleges and universities 
are spending in integrating experiential learning into the undergraduate and even sometimes the graduate curriculum. I find it it's so interesting, and, and um, I'm sure that you know the, the name uh, John Dewey. Yeah. Famous American educator, philosopher, um, you know, founder of the Dewey Decimal System, all those things. Interestingly enough, in 1903, uh, right around 1903, a quote is attributed to him around that time. And in the, the quote said, when we reduce the barriers between life in school and out, real learning occurs. And, I, and that, that, that statement, that quote from 1903, and here we are in 20, you know, 2019, we're talking 116 years. We're still trying to figure out that very simple concept. And I think that the renewed focus of colleges and universities on this idea that not everything that a student needs to know to be successful in the world of work happens in the classroom, be it through student learning, being or, 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 um, uh, service learning, or through uh, leadership development, or you know uh, internships or other forms of experiential learning, is really really powerful. Uh, I think it's trans transforming uh, what higher education is in the United States in a in a positive way. Um, you know, I think it happens at different institutions in different ways. Uh, I think there's good ways to go about it, and then there's you know some ways that maybe might be a little bit challenging. You know, for example, the university where the the president states every student is going to have an internship. And the first time that uh, uh, that the career center hears about it is in that speech by the president. Um, oh, I've seen that happen. But again, or just saying, hey, every student uh, is is to, to graduate is going to have to have some type of experiential learning um, uh, experience under their belt. Um, that you know, sometimes we you know in higher ed and in all organizations, you know, we follow the the mindset of. Uh, you know, fire ready aim versus in ready fire. Um, they're ready aim fire. Um, and, and, you know, I think that as we continue to go down this path, we're getting better at it. We're being um, much more, uh, much more focused and much more intentional about the experiences that we want students to have. Yeah. So if we, uh, if we shifted gears uh, a little bit more uh, towards the, uh, towards the personal um, you mentioned the uh, you know, the former student who uh, thanked you for uh, helping them land their, uh, their first internship job. Um, but what have been some other kind of uh, impactful experiences for you or even some of the, the kind of turning points for you in your own kind of growth development throughout your experience? Oh, wow. Um, I think it's been having and surrounding myself with people who, uh, who care about me, who care about um, 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 just have big hearts and are great mentors. Um, I think one of the more impactful experiences that I've had uh, happened back in the early, happened back in the early 2000s when I was exposed to um, 
the leadership challenge, and I'm sure that in your work you've 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 touched on that. The the uh, landmark study that started 40 years ago by uh, Kuznets and Posner out in California, where they where they tried to identify, answer a simple question, and that is, what is leadership? And what they were able to identify through that was that leadership is about behaviors, and it's about behaviors that we can choose to either do or not do. Uh, and the identification and focus of the five practices of exemplary leaders, for example, you know, exemplary leaders challenge the process, they inspire a shared vision, they enable others to act, they model the way, and they encourage the heart. Uh, and those five practices, when done uh, symbiotically, and you know, you can't just do one of them. They, there is that symbiotic relationship between all five of them. And when they're done in a dedicated, intentional, and deliberate way, um, I think not only does the individual who engages in that uh, develop as a leader uh, because they're exhibiting the behaviors, but they are also growing leaders. And uh, those that, that work with them and for them, um, they, they tend to emulate those same behaviors because that's the environment that's created. And uh, when I was exposed to that in 2002, uh, 2000, no, it was 2001, 2002, um, it just, it was really life-changing. And then as I started to continue down that path, just reading everything that I possibly could and, and just surrounding myself and, and connecting with great leaders, uh, regardless of what industry they're in, and I do see a pattern that, that those individuals that I am most connected with um, really exemplify these five practices on a daily basis. Um, you know, just something as simple as, you know, when I was knee deep in my dissertation and my, uh, you know, ending that, uh, ending that uh, chapter of my life. And I was, you know, many doctoral students get to a point where they're just like, I'm just done. I just don't want to do that. I can't do it. I don't have any more energy left to have that individual just say, you can do this, you've got this. And, and just, just be that encourager. Um, I, again, it's just, it's, it's a, uh, it's a, when that happens, it's incredibly meaningful. Um, and then surrounding yourself with people who, uh, who build, build, build you up in these areas, but also exemplify it in themselves. Um, you know, that just, uh, I think that's where we all want to be. We all want to find that, that circle of influence that, uh, that helps us to be Absolutely. better people. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I get, uh, I get called the, or identified at work and in my personal life as the, uh, as the woo, uh, kind of person in, in everybody's life. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, you know, a lot of people uh, conflate it, conflate the encouragement with like fun, uh, and so I always try to like kind of turn it, and it's like the the meaningful interaction experiences with other people. Absolutely, uh, you know, to your point, uh, that's that's the encourage the encouragement piece and the help helping to bring the best out of the people around you. So uh, my uh, last uh, structured question for you here is uh, if you had to uh, give someone, uh, you know, the title of the show, Life, Leadership, and Laughs. And so uh, life, uh, leadership, or laughs, that single piece of advice uh, 
uh, to give to uh, those who are listening? What would that be? That's such a great question. Um, and the first thing that pops into my mind is something that my grandmother says all the time. And my grandmother is 103 years old and she's still very healthy. She's still very, you know, with it both mentally and physically. And one of the things that I, I just always remember her saying growing up and, and to this day, she says, it is what it is. And that's, that single statement I think is so powerful because we cannot control what happens many times, but what we can control is how we react to it. And if we, if we go into a scenario saying, you know what, it, it, this is what it is, what do we do from here? In, instead of trying to manipulate what happened, let's focus more on how do we work with what has happened. Um, so that that is really been helpful. Um, but and when it, I also think that we can't take ourselves too seriously. Um, I know that that's kind of a cliche, but uh, you know we've got to be able to laugh at ourselves. We've got to be able to. Uh, take things with a grain of salt and not take things too personally. I mean, let's face it, you know, as leaders, a lot of time we're in the spotlight and we're never going to please all the people all the time. But what we can do is stay true to our own personal mission, vision and values. Um, for example, I, I think that over the last 20 years, I've been able to really focus in on those five practices of, of exemplary leadership and whether somebody likes a decision that I make or like something that I do or not, I think that they would also say that I uh, remain true to, you know, challenging the process and inspiring a shared vision, enabling others to act, modeling the way and encouraging the heart. And that level of consistency, I'm, I'm very proud of. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, life, leadership and laughs, uh, you gotta, you gotta have a good time with it. And if you're not, enjoying what you're doing and it's not bringing you joy um you, you shouldn't be doing it it reminds me of a, a quote from the from the dalai lama when he was when he was asked what by someone the question was what's the secret to a to a happy successful and productive life and he said find out what brings you joy and do more of it and find out what brings you pain and do less yeah. of it yeah i mean that <laughs> And the simplicity of that. One of the things that we do as human beings, and it is, uh, I think, the thing that we are absolutely best at, and that is, is that we make things more difficult than they need to be. And that's just part of our, I think it's just part of our nature. Um, we, we can take something so simple and turn it into something very difficult. And if we stop that process and, and remain um, increase in simplicity in our lives and in our focus. I think that the, the, what happens on the other end is that we, we get to that point where we are finding what brings us happiness and joy and we do more of it. And we take, we find out what brings us, you know, pain and anguish and we do less yeah. of it. And I think that, I mean, it's just, uh, it's so powerful. And like you said, so simple. Uh, and, uh, it's the, uh, I don't know why we get so like uh, confounded uh, when we hear that, um, because it seems like it's uh, like there's some kind of trick. I you know, there's I know, not. I it's know. simple. It, 
And 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 that, I I think that that is where I mean the the human brain is so complex and such an amazing problem solving tool, but sometimes we don't you know we don't need you know a high powered tool to do something. We need a simple tool uh, to do something. And I think that if we come back in our simplicity a little bit and just look at you know taking whatever situation we're dealing with and 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 just not trying to overthink it, not trying to overanalyze it, not trying to, uh, you know, make it more difficult than it is, um, can really help us to be more productive. And I think much more, much more happy, um, when it comes to uh, how we approach work and how we, how we approach our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I just, you know, people make fun of me for being like the the fun guy at work. Uh, but like, yeah, if you really love your job, you're gonna uh, people are gonna know it. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's great, uh, Doctor Shindell. That's uh, really all I've got for you uh, as far as questions go. Uh, and so, uh, unless you have any other burning uh, things that you need to get out to the listeners, I think that we can go ahead and do the wrap up. Nah, I, you know, I just, uh, so appreciative of your time today and be able to talk about this. Um, I think it's important that we consistently feed, uh, feed good things into our minds and our bodies that, uh, uh, help us stay focused. And, and I think my final message would be, you know, it's that old adjective of, uh, you know, keep it simple. And, um, you know, the, the, the more simple that we make our lives, uh, the better that we serve those that we seek to serve. So thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, listeners, for listening to today's show. Remember that you can follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can see all the fun things I'm up to by subscribing to my website at www.jakespeaks.org. You can follow me on social media, Twitter, and Instagram, both MC Leadership Guy. And if you are taking anything away from our show, all I ask is that you take a screenshot of you listening to the show, tag me in it on social media at either one of those spots, and leave us a five-star rating and a review. Doing so helps the show grow and reaches more people. I thank you for your support. Until next time, take care.